is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how awesome was our podcast today? Oh my God, Pete Moore. Give me more. Oh my goodness. So he just happens to be uh, a former investment banker and right now um, helps people all over the world, I would say, and is the podcast host of Halo Talks and runs the Halo Academy and on and on, oh my gosh, and just advises people about how to invest in business and how to run their business, especially in the fitness industry. I mean, is that what he does? I thought he was like a comic. That this is very entertaining. He's so fun. Pete is a piece of work, and I it was like perfect for my mood today. It was oh like, yeah. yeah, like everything about it. Uh, really, really fun interview. Uh, everything he's doing. I mean, he's making people money. They're ana- they're analyzing businesses and mm-hmm. and you know finding values of businesses and getting investors involved and and uh, you know having people bring their products to him so that he can market it to you know end users or to clubs and things like that. It's really fascinating work, and you know he's a smart dude. He's a bit Harvard business guy. Uh, also, Emory int, uh, intramural athlete. But most of the importantly, year. he's from Long Island, <laughs> and he's a strong islander. Most importantly, right? So uh, it really just fun information. I mean, there's just um, valuable uh, information. Yeah, and and with, with a particularly special delivery, oh, right? We great. can get we can get this information from some you know stuffy uh, suit, but. Pete ain't that. <laughs> so real fast, um, I mentioned HALO before, but it actually is an acronym for Health, Active, Lifestyle, and Outdoors. And what he really believes in is that lifestyle is a choice. And what he's doing is kind of redefining health and wellness. And he talks about the HALO community and about positive change and when he talks about his podcast or even just advises other business owners or people looking to open their own business or franchise, you know, does your company embody this halo lifestyle and are you giving experiences? So really fascinating stuff. Honestly, get a pen and pencil because it, there's so many great takeaways just as a business mindset from, oh, Amazing. Amazing. That's all I have to say about it. All right. Let's get into this one. You guys are really going to love it. So here we go. Pete Moore, Two Fit Crazy in the Microphone Podcast. Giddy up.
and we are back with another awesome guest on the Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast. Brian? Yes. Are you ready I'm for ready. Pete Moore? Give me more. How are you, Pete? I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I've been waiting for this all day. I played a double pickleball and I uh, did like 10 push-ups and I'm ready to fire this up. My triceps right now are as large as possible. Oh, like I'm ready to go my and fit crazy. Gosh. I sent I sent Pete an email earlier with, with fire emojis. Yeah, I think no. that's like a Gen Z thing, but like you just say like fire. And it's like yeah. it's fire. Gotta yeah, have, gotta have emojis. We're X over yeah. here. I'm Gen X. I don't proud. I'm like 20. I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, she but, sends emojis. Oh, I like the whatever. So it's, pickleball, it's hip pickleball. Pickleball's that's hip. borderline Gen X. Yeah, I mean, I'm not giving up tennis, but I'm like, I'm, I'm participating. You know, what I mean, I'm not like crossing the chasm or anything. <laughs> to let you know, I'm still undrafted. By the way, I just turned fifty. I'm still undrafted, and I have four years of eligibility left. So, I mean, the future looks bright. I've got four as well. If there's any takers out there, I still look. I I, tra- I coach track and field, so when I'm my kids are getting recruited, I'm looking looking at these colleges. I'm like, I can run there. <laughs> I think there's I, still, a, I can there's do this. A guy well, that's quick. Thirty that yeah. plays for the University yeah. of Buffalo, like ex Navy SEAL. Oh, really? I was like, wait, nice. what? Like, what happens in the locker room? You know what I mean? Like, like you have a Navy SEAL on your football team. What do you say? <laughs> like, you guys need to be more disciplined. <laughs> like, you need more. Like, if you're a Navy SEAL, you'd be like, shut up. Like, really? You know? Do you know who yeah, I am? I mean, the, the whole game of football is based on you know controlled violence. So, like, <laughs> he's definitely you know well suited. But just on the track and field side, before we get going, so I was never. That fast of an athlete, but I was I was the intramural athlete of the year back at Emory in 1993. I'm not bragging, just Woo! just stating it to start. Thank you. Um, but uh, there was one time I was playing like 10 years ago at age 40. I'm playing three on three flag football in the Hamptons, and I and I had a couple interceptions and some you know some fly routes. And I said to my buddies like, guys, this is the fastest I think I've ever run. So Brian, I'm like, dude, I can hear the wind, and like, and it wasn't windy, right? So I'm like, why don't you like plot out 40 yards and let me just see what my time is. So <laughs> we do that. Yeah, you know, I throw down a Diet Coke and I'm ready to go. And uh, I run a 4-3-40. And I'm like, yeah, guys. And they're like, no, dude, like, that's like NFL combine yeah, something running was, back something was off 22. There. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm fine. I'll run it again. No problem. Drink another Diet Coke. <laughs> and then uh, I run a 4-8, right? And they're like, dude, I don't. So after about 20 minutes of haggling, we realized that it was only 33 yards. So on my website, I run a 4-3-33. There you go. Oh, There you gosh. go. So, 33, like the anyway. record speed, That's right? You ran 33. All good? Exactly. Exactly. Pete, <laughs> hey, where yeah. are you located right now? Where are you coming to us from So today? right now, I am like in the WWF. I would be parts unknown <laughs> is how I, my nomenclature would be. Oh. But I'm originally from Long Island. I went to school down at Emory in Atlanta. Uh, then I worked in New York, went to Harvard Business School. Then it got really cold up there. I moved to Florida, worked at a private equity fund that uh, bought Gold's Gym International mm-hmm. back in 99. That was my first foray into the health and fitness industry and basically haven't left the industry since. Uh, and then about a year and a half ago, I, I relocated officially uh, for tax purposes to Manhattan Beach, California. Not for tax purposes, for <laughs> lifestyle purposes. Um, so I work from here and uh, our team, the rest of our team in Integrity Square is in New York. Um, so I go back and forth between the two, but we are, uh, we are bi-coastal and we are, uh, high technology users. So 
That's right. how we cover our we back it up. Chris, Christine, back it up. hold on. Back it up. Christine, Long Island, take oh, it away. Oh, take oh, it away. Where did you Strong go Island? to high school? Mm-hmm. Went to Clark High School, East Meadow School District, Salisbury Park nice. Drive. I'm a Babylon High School grad. That's oh, me. Nice. South what was the name Shore. Of your team, by the way. The, I don't what? think we played you guys. You had too big of a, a population. No, no, we were small. Well, oh really? We yeah. never played you. You in Suffolk? Yeah, we're right on the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at or Nassau, right? So we're like thirty-five minutes from from each other. But you know, I got it. Got so, the uh, so got the accent. I love it. I wish it. I wish I'd go back to to, to to high school now, like with the knowledge of nutrition and strength training. We'd be like, beasts. I used to be meatball hero. Yeah, meatball hero, French fries and chocolate milk before like a big basketball game, like. I don't think that's what people are doing. These let, days. let me tell you, somebody who coaches high school kids, they're still shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> they're still doing the same yeah. thing. I would be going like keto. I'd be all ripped up. <laughs> yeah. It would have been awesome. Anyway. Um, yes, I've been working in the industry since, uh, since 99 and I've seen, you know, a lot that's, that's changed and a lot that's gotten better. And, you know, between science and nutrition and technology and awesome entrepreneurs, you know, I think the future is really bright. And we, we use this term halo which I love you guys to, to embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been telling people that, you know, I'm a health and wellness banker for the last, you know, 20 plus years. And that word wellness always kind of dropped like a dead mic to me. Cause nobody comes to me with like, Hey, I got this awesome corporate wellness idea. Like <laughs> when I find out what it is, it's, it's not awesome, you know? So I looked up and Googled the word and it turns out there was this guy at the Mayo Clinic back in the 1950s who was a biostatistician. Dr. Halbert Dunn, and he was looking at the data and seeing everyone getting sick. And he was trying to come up with the antonym of illness. So wellness is the antonym. So if you're not sick, you're okay. Like both of you and my partner, Dave, like we're not trying to get through this world, you know, you know, let's hope we don't get sick. Like we're going to optimize this and elevate this to a whole nother level of living and strength and, you know, longevity. So we came up with this term halo health, active lifestyle outdoors. And our mission is trying to create the halo effect. And then all these companies that are better for you, food company, better for you, connected fitness, fitness studios, you know, vitamin supplements, like they're all part of the halo sector. And they're not, you know, like little segments of the wellness industry, right? It's much <laughs> bigger than that. So, so, so I want to, so when I grow up, you know, I think of Batman, but I'm the only other thing I might become is Captain Halo. <laughs> and we're basically trying to create, you know, like the nexus between. If you're going to run a business in a capitalist society, you better have the first seven letters of the word, which is capital. So I'm trying to connect through our investment bank, entrepreneurs and companies that could grow and affect millions of people. And it's our job. And I mean, like a unique kind of situation where I can talk to a private equity fund or a hedge fund or a VC. Then I could also turn around and talk to, you know, Brian, who owns a studio in, you know, Babylon. Who's trying to figure out? Hey, how do I scale my business? I'm from you know, New Jersey, kinda, bro. Yeah. So like, <laughs> he's and, offended. And and I uh, think public. You you blessed. Okay, I appreciate that. Like the like, public enemy, they had like talk to talk, walk to walk, to kick it to you, crack a lack, attack the back, to crack the back. So like, you got to actually connect these people together, and that's like our mission. So. We can keep going with the podcast now. We can end now. <laughs> let's keep going. No, let's keep going. Let's keep drop, going. Drop the mic. We're no, good. No, no, okay. no, no. Keep it moving. Uh, so, so the consumer, the main consumer is, is it the gym owners? Is it the, is it the, the vendor or the people that you're connecting them with? Who, who's the, I guess, a grouping? Yeah. I mean, our, 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 our client base is mostly entrepreneurs that have proven out a concept and are now trying to figure out, okay, I'm at this inflection point. 
do I want to bring in capital and do I want to scale the business or do I want to kind of just tighten up my ship and optimize my current unit economics? So what we've done over the last four years on our podcast, Halo Talks, we've done about 400 interviews of private equity uh, partners, venture capital partners, entrepreneurs across the whole sector and turn into, you know, here's how you go and raise capital or here's an infomercial on my company to try and get investors interested. Um, but I think it's very important for people to hear new ideas at all times. And you got to know what's the next wave going on in the industry. So our podcast is doing that. And then we got something called Halo Academy, which is basically like a two week boot camp crash course in what's the business model behind each one of these companies. You know, the, some people say like, oh, Planet Fitness, like that's an awesome concept, you know, but they don't really know why it's awesome. And the reason why it's awesome is because it's basically Southwest Airlines, you know, of the <laughs> fitness industry. And Southwest <laughs> a very profitable business model. Yeah. You know, and it's not by accident that they don't have personal trainers there because they're trying to get 10,000 members per club. So you got personal trainers that take up space on a fire code. They steal money from you. They're probably, you know, doing deals with clients, you know, on the side. And the people that they trained would stay there too long and it would take up too much space. You know, you don't have group exercise because that costs you money and, and labor. You don't have daycare because I'm not a babysitting business. I don't have a pro shop because people steal everything out of my pro shop anyway, even though everything's marked up by 100% and I lose 50%. So I make no money. Uh, and then they price it where they don't have to pay sales commissions because it sells itself. So like, what, and then they charge $39 in an annual maintenance fee, which makes up a third of their EBITDA, right? So like all these like pieces of like the business model are not by accident and you got to understand it in order to compete against it or to optimize it. I love that. How many, how many, this is just a curious question. Do you know how many Planet Fitness owners, like most Planet Fitness owners own like 50 of them, right? Or 200 of them or, you know. So, how- yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So the one thing that they did, you know, a lot of these franchisors succeed because of the way they set up the play, the playbook, if you will, like a game, you know, I don't, you guys, you know, probably play like that game risk a long time ago, oh, where, yeah. like you take over different countries, total world domination. That's, that's my every yeah. day. <laughs> Steve, yeah. Pete, that's every well every day is risk. There's <laughs> risk, yeah, yeah, risk, risk in return, but mostly risk. Um, you know, the interesting part about it is, I, 15 years ago, we did a deal with a group called Massage Envy, and the way they grew that business to be 10 times larger than everyone else is that they sold territories. So I'm going to sell you the state of Florida for 400 grand, and you have to open up one location, and then you could sub franchise in that territory, or you can build it out yourself. So once you get a scalable and repeatable business model, such as Planet, private equity groups come in and say like, hey, this isn't that hard to understand. It's basically, you know, like an ongoing self-serve cash register. And I could have a territory big enough where I can grow this out to 50 and I can still leave another 50 for the next investor. And that's kind of like your inflection point of when a private equity group gets involved, like in five or 10 locations take it to 50 and then they sell it to the next private equity group. So that's kind of how the math works on that. But if they didn't have territories like exponential, I love those guys. They're doing great things, but there's no club Pilates or yoga six, you know, area developer because they basically just took inbound leads. You want to open up a studio in Albuquerque. You want to put up a studio in Fresno, like wherever it is, like I'll, I'll sell it to you as a one off, but 
you can't attract private equity unless they say, Hey, I got, I need exclusivity and I need to know where I can grow. And I'm not going to sit here and have like all these roadblocks in place that is going to inhibit my growth. Cause that's how I make money in private equity is I grow. So, so what, what doesn't work? I mean, what have we seen a lot of things? I mean, obviously COVID had an impact on everything, but like, you know, I saw a headline yesterday at 45 is struggling and all these other places, uh, you know, what, what, what doesn't work with them? Are they, you know, too boutique? So, and, and, and granted, you know, um, I use this phrase a lot. This guy told me a long time ago that I worked for his name's Peter Brockwood. He said, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So I got a lot of experience either investing in companies that just the unit economics just don't work. The programming's not set up properly. The pricing's not right. So if you take a look at an orange theory, which I would argue is probably one of the best boutique operators and scaled, scaled, uh, scalable business, you know, they're doing $80,000 pre COVID to a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. Where an where an F forty five is doing thirty two thousand dollars a month, okay? Right. Now, if I've got an Orange Theory, I'm not allowed to open my business until I have three hundred pre sale members ready to go with their credit card or ACH on EFT, right? So three hundred is kind of like the like the baseline, mm-hmm. and then from there, I'm just going to keep selling one hundred forty nine to one hundred sixty nine our memberships to go eight times a month, right? So people think that's unlimited. And what I say is like unlimited memberships are limited, right? Because you got to get 800 people to be able to go through that door on a monthly basis and go like six to eight times a month. So if you're looking at the unit economics of a, of a orange theory, I got to have, I can have 600 to a thousand members in 4,000 square feet plus minus, And I can be making, a million to a revenue and like $400,000 of cash flow or EBITDA out of that one location. Whereas if I'm a F45, I'm doing $370,000 of revenue and I might be able to pay myself a salary for being the, the, the owner of that business. So long story short, everything comes down to like, what's the unit economics that go on in the four walls of that box? And if you don't have time to figure that out, or you think you have a business that's scalable and you don't figure out the unit economics, the thing unravels in the future because you're basically selling somebody a business that doesn't work. And that's the problem with franchising is people get so excited about, hey, if somebody came in, they want to, you know, they want to pay me 6%, you know, to use my brand. Like that's, you know, that's very endearing, but it's not the right decision to let somebody do that because you're like, responsible for their P&L and their lifestyle and their home equity loan and their SBA loan, you know, and their, their marriage. Cause like <laughs> business goes bad. A lot of other things kind of, it's a lot of collateral damage. So I always look at what the unit economics are and figure out, Hey, this business works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, then come back in six months and tell me what you learned. You know, what's the special sauce. One of the, one of the things I'm thinking about as you're, you know, as you're talking a, a lot of people in the fitness industry that, you know, I come across in conferences or, you know, presenting somewhere or whatnot. They always ask, you know, Christine, I, I just always wanted to open my own place. Should I open my own place? Should I invest in maybe a franchise or, you know, what do you think I should do? And I'm going to ask you because what I normally tell them is for me being in the industry, you know, again, I've been in different industries a lot, but always been in the fitness industry. And the one thing I did was 
to experience what is it like to work for a big box gym, for a boutique, for every single different type to see the the inner workings. And, you know, for myself, I'm, I have a business background. So I see things a little differently than, I guess, someone who is not really... Just loves fitness. Right, who just loves fitness. And like what you're talking about, the business models, how do you know this unless you've actually submerged yourself in that, you know, in that environment and really studied the you know, the F45s and the orange theories and the planet fitness and whatnot. So I guess my question, that's what I tell them is really go and, you know, yeah, work there for a little while. See what it's like. See what it's like to run, you know, a, your reports and what it's like to do a pre-sale and whatnot. What are some, you know, what's some really good information you may have for the people listening that are like, yeah, I want to do this. And I, I just, what should I do? Yeah. But first thing is, and just to plug this, but we do this Halo Academy, mm-hmm. which basically goes through five different companies and, and basically, you know, unravels what the special sauce is and how the business runs. So we do a class on, on Planet Fitness and we also do a class on Soul Cycle. You know, so I ask people beforehand, you know, would you rather own a Planet Fitness or would you rather own a Soul Cycle? You know, Soul Cycle pre COVID will make a million dollars of EBITDA, uh, cash flow per location, cost you three million to build it. You can't franchise it, by the way, but it's, you know, corporate owned. So a similar type of business. Or would you rather own a planet, um, that does $750,000 of EBITDA and has three employees? So, you know, at the beginning, people are like, Oh, you know, I want to own the soul cycle. It's like kind of like a nightclub. It's kind of like running the New York Yankees because I got all these awesome, you know, um, you know, fitness celebrities and, you know, we're bringing in like this high echelon of, you know, household income and these people want to pay 35 bucks. And then you realize you're like managing people. You're managing like high end clients that like they don't take you. You got to give them an experience. Like they're not going into like a cycling class. Like they're going to Soul Cycle. Like this is, and I'm a Soul Cycle. I'm part of the cult, by the way. <laughs> so you know, but like that 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 experience for me is like covers like me going to used to go into a nightclub, right? So I got like a live performance going on. Um, you know the uh, the water. Uh, that I get there, you know, replaces like three Moscow mules or a bottle of Grey Goose economically for me, you know, like 10 towards autumn. Um, and it's also kind of like my religious experience, if you will, or spiritual, because by the time I'm getting the second last song, I got all these crazy ideas and, you know, they're, they're motivational. But you realize like, that's a really hard business to run and sustain because it's all celebrity driven and it's management of, of people. You know, whereas Planet Fitness is, hey, if I spend $11,717, that's the actual number that they spend per month in advertising, like 300 people are going to sign up and they're going to give me my their bank account, not even their credit card. Like they're going to give me their bank account. People don't usually <laughs> change their bank account unless they get kicked out of a bank, right? So, you know, you, you look at that and you say, well, it's got to be much easier to run a Planet Fitness than it is like a Soul Cycle, you know? So, when you look at those things, so what I say to people to answer your question is you got to go and you don't have to do this business in a month or three months or six months. Like take your time, go and experience what it's like to be a member at these locations. Uh, look at these franchise disclosure documents and public documents. And we've got those up on our, up on our internet. So like you could go through and, and there's a, uh, I don't know how much you guys know about this. You probably do, but there's a section in a franchise disclosure document that every franchisor has to put out and it's called item 19 
And item 19 is a breakdown of the financials of every franchise that, that a franchisor is selling, right? On, on an average. And if they don't have an item 19, it's because it's shit and they don't want to tell <laughs> anybody what the financials are because in a franchise, you're not allowed to say you're going to make this amount of money. You know, if you buy my franchise, that's illegal now. It used to not be, but it's illegal now. But what you can say is, Hey, go to item 19. And by the way, at the back of the franchise agreement, uh, there's a list of all of our franchisees. And the beauty of this industry over the last 25 years is if you call up someone who works in this industry at any franchise and you say, Hey, Chrissy, would, would you do this again? Like they will tell you the truth. Like, trust me, like this sucks. I'm trying to get out. I can't wait till my lease ends. This franchisor just wants my royalties. They could care less about my P and L. Um, they don't give me any support. Um, the marketing sucks. Like you find people will tell you. And when they're making a lot of money, they'll tell you that they'll too. They'll tell you that too. And, absolutely. And so like the whole planet fitness and the whole orange theory kind of phenomenon, if you will, is a lot of entrepreneurs that got in early and were making a lot of money and they're telling their friends. And they'd be like, dude, I'm making 400 grand on this one studio. I've got team trainers. I don't have celebrities working for me, right? So my, my, my leader, I go to a soul cycle based on the instructor. I, it doesn't matter what time it is, right? I go to Orange Theory based on the time, not who the instructor is, right? So I've taken out a piece of the business that is not part of business I control, right? I want to control the member. And if I got to cycle in and cycle out team leaders, like, 300 people aren't walking out the door because my instructor left. Right. And then everything with, with orange theory is you get results. Right. So a lot of these, these studios, they, they don't ask people what they want to achieve. They don't take people through a journey. Um, they send out emails and they don't actually talk to people. So you got to figure out like what you want your lifestyle to be. What, what gets you motivated, but then also like do the channel checks, call people that are in the franchise and they'll tell you the truth. Like they say, like, trust me, like I would not, I wouldn't do this again. And then you know not to do it. So that's a long answer to a short question. Yeah, no, it's it, good. It's important though. It, you know, so many people, I mean, I don't know what the percentages, maybe you do, Pete, of people that go into, you know, they say, hey, oh, I'm going to, it's very glamorous to start your own business. And I mean, soul cycle is very, you know, everybody, uh, you know, it's, Oh, this is, Oh, I'm a soul cyclist. I'm a, it's different. There's a, yeah. there's an air there's, you know, it's that popularity. Oh my gosh, you're there. Well, what is the percentage do you know of people that start their own business and they fail? Especially well, I mean, with your in the dealings? restaurant industry, it's probably, I mean, the restaurant industry, it's like 85 or 90% yeah. <laughs> right, of, of restaurants fail within the first year. If they're not a franchise, Right. If they're not a franchise brand. Um, so look, franchise brands that are successful and, and focus on some of the things that we just talked about and really like understand that this business is about sales and marketing and results and relationships, right? And if you can have someone that, you know, a franchisor that wakes up every day thinking about that on your behalf, then it's worthwhile to stay in the business, um, or get into the business. To answer your question about, you know, yeah, it's glamorous to own a, a, a fitness studio, right? Because people love you and they send you nice emails like, oh, you changed my life or I was able to fit into this dress or people said I look good or, you know, my doctor said if I didn't go in here when I did, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today. So there's a lot of like emotional inertia that keeps you, you know, being excited about what you're doing. But a lot of 
studio operators think that, you know, like that field of dreams, like when I open it, you know, they will come and it doesn't work that way. You know, so when I look at, when we, yeah, I've looked at like you guys probably have too, you know, you look at hundreds of different businesses and people send you their financials and it'll take you 10 minutes to figure out like what's wrong with the place. You know, yeah. it's either like the pricing's wrong. Um, they spend $500 a month on marketing. Like you spend $500 a month on marketing. Don't expect anyone to walk in, right? Cause it just doesn't work that way, right? We're trying to get people's attention. Um, and then, you know, the referrals, I think are, are something that people talk about a lot, but they don't do it aggressively. And if you run your own studio, uh, and for all the people out there that run their own studio and they've got like three or 400 members, you know, don't, and Dave's my marketing guy, so he might be mad at me if I say this, but like, don't hide behind like your drip email campaign. You know, I say like, when was the last time you talked to your members? Right. They're like, oh yeah, we did email, but dude, you have 300 people. You have their phone number. You have their SMS, right? You're the owner of this business. Like, Call them, go to lunch with them. That somebody, it was crazy. Look at this company. And like, I'm saying you have to do a grand reopening after COVID. Like, and you have to get every single one of your employees to make 10 calls a day and invite people in and get to know them personally. It's not like 30,000 people, right? It's like 300, right? So I can do that in a month if I was the owner of a studio and say, Hey, bring your friend in. I, I just feel like. I love technology, but sometimes people don't understand technology is a weapon, right? <laughs> and, and, it, and weapons are used by humans, right? To optimize what they're doing. And I did this other thing the other day in this Gold's Gym speech. I'm like, you know, when Ukraine asked for support from the U.S., right? They didn't say like, you know, hey, I need some uh, artillery. Uh, can you get me some AK-47s? I need some baby formula, some lactate milk, and some rice cakes, right? They said... Send me fucking javelins. Okay? <laughs> That's the only thing I need, right? That's it. It's just javelins all the time, right? So I see these health club hours, like, what's your javelin? Like, what's your weapon of choice to get these people back? And being at 80% of pre-COVID, like, that's on you. That's not on the private equity firm that should, like, now buy your business for pre-COVID numbers because you haven't gotten your membership base. Like, it's hard work. Like, do the work. That's so <laughs> yeah, and they they probably didn't send an email either. They picked up the phone, right? Right. Uh, yeah, send us yeah, the javelins. Yeah, you javelins. Send a javelin. So how, how about saying, uh, if you're gonna go get your member base back? Like, go get it. You know, like right. go interface with them. Yeah, no, it's, like it's, they were there before. It's you know? it's very important. How how about the smaller scale gyms? I mean, you were talking franchises and everything. Maybe that's not what people want to do. Maybe they want to stay in their hometown. Maybe they want to just you know provide make a kick ass gym that's you know that that's maybe one or two locations that they can focus on and and get people in there and 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 do things like that. Where where are the mistakes that those people make in not being successful? You know, I think um, a, a, a couple things. So there's a um, there's, there's two, two companies I'll, I'll mention. One's called Neighborhood Bar. Um, there's a woman we did a podcast with. She's awesome and she's going into these, you know, strip malls and, and tier C and D markets where there, there's not an, an elevated fitness experience. And she's really embedding herself, you know, in the community, uh, and, and doing the right things. Um, there's also a company called The Gym, which is out of San Diego that is going around and letting other groups use their, um, use their logo and some of their design. So I think where, where some of the issues are with, with neighborhood gyms is that they don't hire an architect and you got to hire an architect because people, you know, people, this guy from um, restoration hardware, 
Right. I was listening to one of his investor uh, conferences, and, and he said this one thing that I'll never forget. And it's like music playing in the background, like piano stuff. It's like he's like people buy with their eyes. If you go into a restoration hardware, there's no price tags on anything because I want you to think that you live here, like feel like you live here, right? So a lot of people open up a gym and they don't hire somebody with the aesthetics, so it, it doesn't pop for you and say like, hey, I should pay a premium for this. Um, and then they don't do marketing, man. It's like people think, you know, I could spend five hundred or a thousand dollars. You know, Planet Fit is spending eleven thousand dollars a month. You know, other franchises are spending, you know, two to five percent of revenue. And you gotta have that constant sales and marketing machine going. And then I think you gotta hire people who care. And that's not an easy thing to do. Right. I am I just I'm sitting back here again. You know, people buy with their eyes and just these little things. I mean, they're little things, but they're huge things that make or break sometimes. And I'm thinking of, well, hiring an architect, people would say, well, why, why wouldn't I just do it myself? I, I think this, I can't afford it. Right. And that's what usually happens. I can't afford it. Right. But then you say, look, that $20,000 investment. Okay. Is worth, $500,000 $500,000 of membership revenue because people are not, they don't, it's, you're selling an experience, right? And that experience is like, you go to a hotel, like there's architects that get paid millions of dollars to figure out like what drapes are going there, what colors here, what painting goes there, right? Our industry, we don't, we haven't had the luxury of thinking like that, but yet you have to think like that. And you also got to figure out like, how do I allocate my square footage based on the business model? that I'm deploying and nobody's really doing that franchisors do that for the franchisees. But just to give you another example, like we built the, we built this beautiful studio with an architect who, who I love. His name, Rudy Fabiano. He's done thousands of health clubs and studios. It's Extenbar down in, um, down in Boca Raton. And um, the aesthetics of the place were beautiful. The issue was that we only allocated 40% of the square footage to the workout area. And you do a bar workout, you need like six feet in every direction, right? So I had this awesome looking studio that had this beautiful sized pro shop and had this big desk. And I, I should have had 70 or 80% of it with the workout floor and like a nice entryway with like that really cool chandelier. But it wasn't architected to the business model. And it was architected for fashion, not function. So those are like the little things that, you know, that mean everything yeah. to the business. Hey, when you think about it. you skin your knees enough times, you know, you, you figure That's it out. It, yeah. yeah. So let's, yeah. let's talk about, I mean, I love the idea of the whole halo and you are a podcaster. We need to, we need to get into this for got, a minute. It's got a okay. few episodes. Got a few episodes, you know, we, we're kind of. You guys better come on as a reciprocal and don't don't throw your agent at us and everything, all right? Uh, we're we'll bring okay. yeah. we are kind We'd of. We have to hire one. We're first. kind of important. I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of like your business architect. Eh? Oh my gosh! Seriously. Oh my god! I need one of those. Well, listen. So here's here's what I want to know is so why did you start podcasting? What what was the what was the draw? I mean, you like us have been in it for a while, and a lot of people. The great ideas, but don't follow through. What, what was the whole reasoning behind it? And my better question is, what are some of the best pieces of advice you've heard? Yeah. 
So we always get a quote at the end. Uh, so we got this awesome quote library that we've kind of built up over 400 episodes. Um, so to, to kind of rewind for a minute. So I've been doing investment banking and for the people that don't know what that is, um, you know, if there's a, well, let's say crunch fitness is for sale. Um, you know, 10 years ago. So I found a buyer, an operator and a hedge fund that teamed up to buy the business. They bought it for 45 million and, and we helped them figure out the price, the diligence, the terms, who the management team was going to be, the the projections, go forward plan. Um, and then I've got a, you know, clients like, um, Spectrum Clubs or, uh, Fitness First in DC where the owner's looking to retire, the private equity firm's looking to sell and they hire us as their advisor. We put a 30 or 40 page PowerPoint presentation together, a financial model. And then we basically go and create like a, like a manual eBay, if you will. And we try and auction the company off to the highest buyer, negotiate price, go on club tours, you know, negotiate deferred CapEx, do all the diligence. And then you get paid. We get paid like a, um, like a real estate broker. So we get a small fee up front to put the materials together. And then we get paid at closing, you know, when the, when the company sells. So I've always been on the more creative side and trying to figure out like, how do I expedite this process? Because when you sell a company, like I'm literally picking up the phone, I'm calling up like 50 private equity firms and 20 CEOs or CFOs of different health club operators to say, Hey, do you want to buy this 15 club chain in Dallas? Do you want to buy this 20 club chain in Orlando? Whatever it is. And I'm like, how do I scale myself? And how do I not have to tell this story like 50 times? So I said originally like four years ago, instead of just sending out the PowerPoint and like a PDF on the business and the financial model, I'm going to interview every one of our clients a month before we go to market. And it's going to basically be like a 30 minute infomercial on the company. So I cannot have to spend 50 hours like pitching the business. So the podcast started basically as like an investment banking commercial tool in order to tell the story. And then I send that link out and I say, Hey, if you're interested in this company, we're selling it. Here's the teaser. Listen to this. If you like him or her, that's talking about what their vision is and you want to back them, get back to me. It saved a significant amount of time, effort and energy. And then what happened was we started getting a lot of clients, potential clients that would come to us and say, um, you know, Pete, I got three clubs in, uh, in, in Suffolk, uh, County and I want to sell them. You know, could you help us, you know, sell that? You know, I'd look at what their cash flows are and, you know, it's like less than a 10 or $15 million deal. I can't take on every deal. Um, and I got a limited amount of resources and I, I hate saying no to people. Like I want to say yes as much as possible. So I said, Hey, look, I can't, we can't take this on as an engagement for the next six months to help you sell the business. However, I'll do a podcast with you on Halo Talks. Okay. I'll help you put together, you know, for three grand or you can do it yourself. I'll give you a template, put together all this information on your club. And your, and your cluster and we'll send it out with the podcast. If you're interested to contact you and it's kind of like a fast track way to get your business like into play, if you will. And then we had other companies come in and say, Hey, I got this really cool technology. Can you introduce me to the CEO of, you know, Orange Theory Equinox Planet Fitness? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm not like an Indian giver, right? <laughs> and like I got a day job and I can't just like make free phone calls for people. I don't even know you, right? But what I can do is if you want to come on the show. And talk about your infrared, you know, technology. You want to talk about your better for you organic supplement. Come on in. We'll release it to the entire industry. You can use it as kind of like a calling card. They're like, Hey, I'm on Halo talks. Like, listen to what I'm doing. And it's kind of become like a marketing channel. And what we want to do 
is I want to try and solve obesity, loneliness, and diabetes. And the only way to do that is to find awesome entrepreneurs like yourselves to basically like micro make uh, micromanage that to happen in every community or nationwide. And if we can just be you know helpful as part of that journey, then that's what I want to be able to do. So the podcast was originally like an investment banking fast track tool, which turned into like a forum for anybody that's got a cool product or service that we can help them get exposure on. And hopefully they become a big company. If they become a big company, then you call and say, hey, we need to sell the company. Now it's 50 million, not 500,000. And hopefully they call us. If they don't, then, you know, they don't, you know, but yeah. I got quote out of them. Yeah, I know? see Brian. So, Brian's been smiling. No, because I, this is our lives, Pete, have changed since we started podcasting because of the power of networking, the power of having a voice and being able to give other people a voice and letting them network with one another. All of our guests, there's, you know, there's so many relationships that have formed because of, because of our guests reaching out and finding out about other people. And that is whenever we would do classes on podcasting or whatnot and people would say you know we want to start a podcast and we'd say to them like what's what's the purpose is it just right you know you want to talk about no, yourselves they, they and want whatnot, to they but, want to turn the microphones on and make 500 bucks an episode it's like it doesn't work and like, like that w- that's not the point and i just i'm like we could end right now because what you said about yeah. about why it's the why what's your why behind doing it and yeah. yours is twofold yeah you we're talking about Halo. We're talking about health. This is great, but you're doing it in a way that networks and also is a you know I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. How can yeah. we work together? I love it. Yeah, and and also you know there, this industry, as I said before, is, is kind of unique where people aren't guarding a lot of data. You know, like I was saying before about like hey, call up some call up five franchisees of, of whatever franchise you're looking for, and like you'll find out with at the end of call five if like this makes sense to do. Like they'll just tell you, you know, if they if they want you to steer clear and not make the same mistake they made, like they will tell you directly. Like this is a shitty business, just stay away. Trust me, like I'm out of this thing with my lease ends, right? But you know, there's so much collateral benefit to what you're doing, what we're doing. And we don't find out about a lot of stuff until like way after the fact. You know, there, there's people that have said like, Oh yeah, I invested in this entrepreneur. Like I heard their podcast. I'm like, Oh, well, thanks for telling us like <laughs> a year later, you know, or someone's like, Yeah, I got in, I stocked this product in my pro shop because I heard this person on the, on the Halo talk. So like the, the ability to connect people, um, and a lot of it's just about education on, on, you know, products and services that are out there that are actually, game changing which kind of brings me back to this whole thing of like if you get people results like this industry is going to crush it and i feel like we let too many people come into the system and and don't really like take them through to lose that 25 pounds like because once they lose that 25 pounds they tell everybody how they lost yeah, absolutely. it right they do so all right uh a couple questions i wrote you know so Halo Academy, F- finish that. I mean, we, we talked about the, you know, the 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 uh, comparison with the different uh, places, and you know, the Planet Fitness, and you look at at, at uh, Orange Theory. What else are you doing in uh, Halo Academy? Yeah. So the reason why, so during um, during COVID, um, we're like, how do we how do we keep in touch with everybody, and how do we help them through this time where, you know, obviously you're like 
Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, like that compactor, like you got like four walls coming in right. on you and you're like, my landlords are coming after me. My debt providers coming after me. My, uh, my equity investors and my members are on freeze. Like I'm basically like getting crushed here. Um, so we helped a lot of people just get some payment plans and renegotiations or go through bankruptcy. But what I also figured out was that there were a lot of people that were just calling up and saying like, man, I got time on my hands right now. Like I gotta, I gotta learn something. Like what can I learn right now? And so I went to Harvard business school and, and everything they do there, you guys probably have done this. Like there's a case study that some research person puts together on like a 15 page, like story on planet fitness, you know, how it started, you know, how they did the, the area development agreements that I talked about, how they, they, this company was built based on, uh, frustration and desperation, right? Like that, they, they stumbled upon his business model because their gold's gym was not working. So they said, you know what? Every single thing in here that costs us money, we're getting rid of it. And we're going to price this thing to the point where I'm not paying somebody a sales commission. And they can basically just walk in here, get a Tootsie Roll and pizza, and they can go on to track mill and then they get out of here. Like the reason why there's no weights that are more than 50 pounds in there, where you can't walk in with like a, a water, you know, milk jug water, because right. right. they don't want people hanging around that long. Like the business model does not let you have two hour bodybuilding sessions, right? Or somebody who's training for like a Ironman, like they go somewhere else, man. Like <laughs> I need you in and out of here in 25, 30 minutes or else I got people, I got fire code issues. I got people that are going to cancel because they can't get on the machine. So what we did during COVID, I, I looked on the Harvard Business School, uh, uh, publishing site and it happened to be a case study on planet, one on CrossFit, one on, uh, cycle for survival, Peloton and soul cycle. And we basically do 90 minutes on like, what's the business model? What would you do if you're in this situation? Um, what's the special sauce of this business? And like really break down, like understand the business. And a lot of groups, unfortunately, because you're, we're all like crazy entrepreneurs, you know, I'll go to somebody and say like, who do you compete with down in uh, Orlando? They're like, I think there's like a orange theory, like a couple of miles away. I'm pretty sure there's like a planet. I'm like, what, what do you mean you think? Like, I want to know every, I, there was this company called 1-800-MATTRESS. Do you remember that yeah. back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you called up 1-800-MATTRESS. You say, I'm looking for this mattress. I'm looking for a sealer. They're like, oh, where would you see it? PC Richard for 549 I'm like, yeah, how did you know that? They're like, oh, what about the uh, Poshupedic? Oh, where would you go? You went to Macy's? It's at like four ninety nine. Like, well, we can do it for four seventy nine. Like, they had so much market intelligence that by the time you ended that call, like, there's no way you're not buying a mattress. <laughs> you know? Right? Because they got all the intelligence in New York City. So a lot of these old business owners are like, they're like, they, they've never read the FDD on one of their competitors. Like, that's the first thing I'd do when I'd wake up in the morning when that thing got issued is like, dude, they're giving me all their financials. Like, who the fuck? Nobody does that <laughs> for free without like a non-disclosure agreement. So we're like, hey, let's do the academy. Let's see. We got 150 people over seven, two week periods where you come in and you know, you'll get smarter. I'm not saying we're smartest. We're not. We're not smart. We just have access to this information. I know where it's, where to get it. I know how to unbundle it and teach you how, how to use it and what it means. So, and that's what I love to do. I love to teach. And if you can teach people how to better run their business, then they get capital because they sound smarter and they know what they're doing. And then when they go to an investor and they say, here's who we compete against. Here's their pricing. Here's our pricing. Here's their KPIs. Here's our KPIs. Here's our return on invested capital. Here's their return on invested capital. And here's how I take members from them. Bam, 
then you get money. <laughs> this, this former investment banker over here for a short time. I was I was a Morgan yeah. Stanley girl in the city. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, and um, I'm geeking out over here. I'm like, I actually want to do this Halo thing just to oh, just because do. I love you definitely come in. I love and we do just networking also. We got like 30 people. You know, we got all CEOs and different people from different areas of you know running corporate studios, running uh, big companies, equipment vendors. We had this guy Sal Pellegrino. I don't know if you know. Yeah, him. yeah. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've had we've had Sarah's so he, daughter on. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah. Sarah and, and and Sal were in the academy, and Sal's like, man, I go around and I talk to all these business owners. I'm not really trying to sell them equipment. I'm trying to sell them solutions to their problems, and the equipment's kind of part of that, right? So he's like, after taking the academy, we got a, uh, a YouTube like uh, ref, you know, like his uh, post class, you know, commentary. But he's like, look, man, I can go in. I can talk to them on like a completely different level now. I talk analytics and metrics, not just like, hey, this cool machine that came out. And this is, you know, we should put it in the club. And, you know, here's like the hours and here's the warranty. Like right. they, they don't want to hear that. They want to say like, hey, could you help me succeed? You yeah. know, yeah. give me like another javelin. They'll throw another javelin. <laughs> Bam. Or how's so, that? How's that treadmill or whatever going to give the members a better experience? So then they. Right. You know, it's that restaurant. So, so why, Pete? Why, why fitness? Why not? Like, yeah. what, what? You know, is it fun? Because you know, is it pro- is it because of the money? Like, well, what's if the I wanted to make the most money, I would not be working in this. Well, industry. that's what I'm okay, saying. So why split, fitness? All that put that out there. <laughs> you know, um, it's so interesting you say that because my mom, when I started this, was like, "You're just gonna like try and help people buy and sell health clubs? Like, is that a full time job?" You know, um, was she from so Long said, Island? Yeah, Pete, yeah, was your mom? Yo, we just sold the house yesterday, by the way. <gasps> wow! And the developers knocking it down. My mom was oh, all like no. remorseful about it. Is she know, from Brooklyn originally? She's from uh from from Astoria. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, all right. I, I was just before. wondering if she's like Pete. Pete, what are you doing? You're gonna you're gonna throw your life away working in fitness. That's we what I had. Her, we could probably get her on right now. Like, I knew you were gonna be okay. Oh, I knew see? the whole time. I well, you just made it now. Jewish mother. There's, no, there's another know. one from Long Island with you. She quit her job too. Go. Could have been Billsy and Bazillionaires. I love I love going back there because like you spend like a couple of days in Long Island, that accent just comes back like right away. I hate to tell you. I don't think you're, you lost it. <laughs> I was going to say, I hate to tell you. No, you still I'm, have I'm, it, man. I'm, 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 getting, I'm, I'm bringing extra for you guys. Right? Oh, are you? Because right, 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 right. I've so, lost mine a lot. Right. It only comes back yeah. when I'm like angry or drunk. <laughs> yeah, Angry or drunk. Yeah. So, so, what, so, so why so fitness? The, so why fitness? So, so when I graduated business school, I went down to, to Brockway Miranda Partners, this first private equity firm that I worked for. And when I was at business school, I kind of got brainwashed that the internet was going to change the world. This is back in 1998, 1999, where AOL was going up and vertical net. And I had some stocks that I had invested in and options and things like that. But I always like my background was always in private equity. So I'm like, I got to go get a private equity job. I almost bought the summer camp that I went to, by the way. That's a whole different story that oh. my dad told me not to do. Um, <laughs> so the first day I'm at Brockway Moran and Partners and they have a, Every private equity fund has like a Monday morning meeting where all the partners sit around and they say, Hey, we got this deal. We're buying this. Uh, so they, these are the companies they had. They had, a, they had the blue chemicals that go in the toilets of the airplanes and the soap dispenser that's angled. They had a patent on that. So I'm listening to that one. I'm like, damn, I hope I'm not on that deal. <laughs> the second thing is 
they had an agricultural tank business, which is basically like a big plastic water bottle that goes like in for like corn and grain and, and other things. I'm like, oh, but I hope I'm not on that deal. <laughs> and then they say, we got this letter of intent to buy Gold's Gym with the largest franchisee. And I, I quickly like scanned the room. There's like 10 other people in this fund. Um, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm literally like talking to myself. I'm like, I'm definitely the only guy who owns a tank top in this fund, in this, in this room right now. Right. And I'm definitely the only guy that actually has a gold's gym membership. And I played sports like my entire life. So I'm like, Hey, can I, can I be on the gold's deal? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like you'll, you'll be the senior associate on the gold's deal. And, um, I basically haven't left the industry since cause I'm so fired up about, I don't really have to be a banker and like wear a suit, you know, to do this. Cause I'm talking to people like yourselves where if i was wearing a suit right now you'd be like dude who is like does this guy not understand how the industry works like you don't wear a suit walking around a club <laughs> so i got in understood the business start up a software company that was way ahead of its time um and i ran around the country as like a crazy entrepreneur for three years basically selling software that was basically like salesforce.com meets e-diets for um regional health club chains and all these regional health club operators at the time, if you think back from 2000 to 2003, they wouldn't put a DSL line in the club because that was too much money, 35 bucks. Mm. They wouldn't buy a gateway or Dell computer. So I literally, I didn't take a salary for three years. I would literally like run around the country, check my email at Kinko's because there was no, you know, smartphones. And then I would go to somebody's house and we would upload and download pictures from their clubs in their living room through a 28-8 modem which takes like six hours. And then during that six hours, they would ask me all different investment banking questions. Like, Hey man, what's EBITDA again? What's that KPI that can you just PowerPoint for me while I wait for this, this digital photo of my instructors to upload? Hey, I got this bank presentation I'm doing next week. I, I need to Excel. So it's kind of like, like a banker running around the internet clothing for three years. And I kind of loved it because it was like, this is awesome. I'm running around like jeans and like a t-shirt. I'm working out. I'm staying at somebody's house who owns like six Gold's gyms or, you know, eight, you know, spectrum clubs or whatever. And, um, and I could help them because they don't know any other, you know, bankers that worked on Wall Street. So I, I kind of liked this. It. it wasn't profitable for a long time, but you know, it feels good. And now it is. So that's how I got into it. I'm not leaving because, you know, there's no reason to go and try to make money if you don't enjoy what you're doing and you're not like, I think we're changing the world. I think you guys are also, and I think everyone in this industry is. So why not just support that and just kind of see what happens? Yeah, it beats working. Amen. It beats working. Yeah, Amen. it's like a hobby. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, you know, you look, and I went to Harvard Business School, so I got friends that make make money, money, and hopefully they invite me to stuff. <laughs> Courtside. There you go. So, can you please tell all of our listeners right now? How do they find out more information about getting involved in the Halo Academy? How do they find out more information just about you and the podcast? Go. Sure. Dave, you want to, Dave, you want to take that? I'm going to hop on. My Ed McMahon, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Just uh, send people to uh, integritysq.com. That's, that's the website. Or uh, halotalks.com, obviously, for the podcast. And uh, the Halo Academy for uh, the Halo Academy. So the HaloAcademy.com and the, all the latest stuff will be up there. And then do we get their books yet or no? No, uh, no not yet. The uh, uh, Time to Win Again books. Yeah. yeah so you guys need to get a copy. I got to send you guys a book. So over COVID and then I'll, I'll, uh, 
I'll stop talking for a minute. When, or just tell me when to stop talking. How's that? You're, <laughs> nah, you're, you're beautiful, <laughs> man. So, so I wrote this book. I don't know if you can see it. Let me turn my uh, my blur screen off here for a second. We saw something and then it disappeared. There we go. Yeah, no, that was on purpose. Uh, no, so, so it's called Time to Win Again. I like yes. that. It's basically... Did you guys play sports back in high school? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe. Christine Conti's Babylon High School Hall of Famer. Yeah, anyone, yeah, anyone can you? win Emory Intramural Athlete of the Year. I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Famer here. Stop. This is the GOAT. No, what's your, what were your sports? Um, well, for, I have a brick. I have a brick in Babylon. Um, so that's, so you that's, really? I do. <laughs> I go home oh, and I visit shit. it whenever I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Man, awful. I whenever that. I feel she, bad about look, myself, look, I go look at it. I'm her David. You ready? Stop she it. She played Division One volleyball, University of Binghamton, right? Then, uh, split there. She's a monster. She's, she's right. about to do her third Iron it. Man. She's, she's a freak. Yeah. You're a yeah. freak. Awesome. You're yeah, like, he's like she the most amazing fast runner ever. So yeah. it's yeah. ridiculous. You guys, right. yeah, so. So we, we gotta, we gotta all hang out. We gotta do some uh, things. Ready. Like in person at some point, you know, trade shows or whatever. So California. So I wrote right? this book, Time to Win go. Again. Yeah, but I, I, I'm back in New York every two weeks. Oh. So, so here's what happened. So we're working on all these bankruptcy deals during, right when COVID started, which is like, the most demoralizing thing you can wake up and do because you're basically just fighting with people to try and keep your company alive. And then I watched the last dance with Michael Jordan, you know, on, on ESPN. And then Dave and I, on all of our podcasts, we got a caricature of the person that we do an interview in with. So at the time we had like 250 caricatures and yeah, I like yours. I like yours. Very, very strong. Um, so I'm like, you know what this got, there's like all these things about, there's all these things about running like a professional sports team that if you could just infuse that in your current business, you're going to win more, more than you're going to lose. And we've always saying like, what's your win loss ratio? You know, if you were a, if you were a football team last year, like, where'd you go? I'd say we went like, I don't know, six and 10, you know, in 2021, 2022, probably eight and eight, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so we wrote this book, which basically 52 takeaways from team sports. To ensure your business success. And it's basically like good to great meets where's Waldo. We put everyone that has a caricature in the podcast into the book, along with like every one of my mom's Jewish friends that she plays Mahjong with, <laughs> my extended cousins that she made me put in, some of my high school friends, camp, you know, all that jazz. So like just to give you some examples, like, um, you know, you got to pay for talent. You know, someone's like, oh, I got this awesome software. Yeah, but you don't have any software salespeople, right? Like go get somebody from salesforce.com, pay them, give them some equity, and like you might have a real business. Um, like I mentioned before, decode your competitor's signals. Like if you don't know, you know, in a, like a high, uh, college team, like they hold up all those signals right. on the sidelines. Um, you know, use your timeouts. Like nobody uses their timeouts in business, yet every sports team uses every timeout they have in every game they play because they got to fix something that's broken or they know something's about to bust and they got to like hit the pause button. So we'll go around to, to health club operators like, oh, man, the software doesn't work. I'm still doing this and that. I'm like, bro, take a fucking time out, <laughs> fix it. And don't tell me you're going to do it in six months. Like, you have a problem, stop and fix it. And I think people run too fast. And then a couple other things are like, um, you know, uh, too many players on the ice. Like, people think like, oh, I got to have this big corporate overhead. Yeah. No, I'd rather have less players. Like, an NFL, like a, a NBA team has 13 players on the team. They don't have 33, right, that they interchange. Right. So like get less people that know what they're doing, pay them more and give them a lot of responsibility. Uh, have a special teams unit. Why not, dude? Shit happens on special teams. Right. So like there's something that's going on 
Maybe I'll put like my janitor, my front desk person, and my group X, and they're like the special teams for like the quarter, you know. And then the last thing I'll say is give everyone a uniform. You spend thousands of dollars hiring people, and then you give them like this like pin with their name on it, right? Like, and I I did this at the Golds convention, but I'm like, if I have a jersey that has my number on it, has my name on the back, I'm not like checking my iPhone, right? Everyone in the club knows who I am, and then from a sports standpoint. If they leave or they, 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 if they leave the company, they got to give the jersey back, which nobody who's an athlete will ever want to do. No. You I'll always try and, you always try and steal your jersey no. or keep it with you. Mm-hmm. Always. Exactly. So you like, want, you we got hung in the rafters. We'll send you a couple of books. We'll cut, we'll send you a couple of books. Really easy to read. Um, you know, we're not trying to become like it. I'm not trying to become like this like big author, but we're just saying like, look, Take the things that like work for you in, in your past life and don't let it go. You know, like when a, when a hockey guy, when, when they score a goal in hockey, like everyone like runs up and like mauls the guy in the corner. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm not going to say why I was thinking. I mean, I live in California. There's, you know, you, you can take edibles every once in a while. <laughs> so I was thinking like, imagine like you had like a sales team and like somebody closed a big account. And that guy ran into the corner and everyone just bowled <laughs> that person. Like there's a hockey goal. Right. Like that would, that's how to run a, like a successful team. So anyway, so we wrote this book. We're going to share it with you guys. We'll send you some copies, you know, just little tidbits that come out. And, uh, where can, as can you our tell, listeners get it? Where can our listeners get it? You go to, you go to Amazon okay. time to win again. You go to time to win again.com. Um, yeah, all that's, five that's star reviews, up. Pete, so far. Nice. Yeah, all five star reviews, reviews so far. Yeah. yeah. Some of those people I know for a while, but you know, what I'm saying? Like it's, the, I the Mahjong partners. It, right? Pete, I have a book. I know how that works. You know, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. What's your tell me about your book? Because I, I I looked at it for a hot second. It, well, but I need to get one. All right. Well, we'll we'll work this out. We'll book swap. We'll, we'll book, yeah, we'll swap. Do a book swap. We'll we'll do a little something something. Yeah. Yeah, split no, second not, courage. Not it like a long thing. Let's yeah. Split second courage. Do they still have a bookmobile in Suffolk County? <laughs> Remember those? Like the travel library. Is that like sw- sweet pickles? They, we had bookmobiles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bookmobile. do you remember the bug machine? The bug truck that used to spray bug spray in the back of the truck? Oh, yeah. Those, like, yeah, that's, yeah. I think, why the cancer, like, numbers went so so might be right. high I believe it. back then you know this is i was this... thinking about get i was thinking about getting a golf cart in manhattan beach was like my mode of transportation but i was thinking what if i bought a street sweeper <laughs> and i just went like seven miles an hour and i logoed it up with all fitness yeah would that be sick zamboni that would be awesome yeah like a zamboni yeah <laughs> anyone anyway, can have a golf cart things that go through my head that have nothing to do with what we're talking about yeah no that's fine every once in a while the monkey with the tambourine comes you know yeah, yeah. that guy's probably unionized by now yeah monkeys absolutely uh, all oh right, my gosh so look I mean it's great meeting you guys this yeah, has been awesome question. and I appreciate you guys uh, having us on and you know look at the end of the day if we can create great entrepreneurs and just give them like little nuggets of knowledge that We'll take them on a, a, a the train to success. Then everything else kind of falls in place. And then we got more people telling people like, don't take that doggy bag home. Or like, you don't need that portion from, you know, cheesecake factory, you know? Right. Like, that's the problem. People are eating too much. <laughs> whole, whole nother bag of worms here, Pete. Whole nother one. Yeah, that'll be so, our next one. That'll yeah. be our next podcast. Well, listen, Brian and I are about a little over an hour south of New York City. We're at the 
New Jersey Shore right now is where oh, we yeah, are where located. About? Like Point What's Pleasant, Manasquan. Ma- Manasquan, New Jersey, born and raised. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well we're, Jersey Strong, the Romas, are, are one of our clients and one of our investors. Do you all know right. them? Oh, absolutely. No, I don't know them personally. I, know, I mean, I know Jersey Strong. Oh, They're all over the place. Them. Yeah. We'll do. They're out of uh, Wall. Yeah, wall no, Township. I know exactly where it is. That's the ne- that's that's actually right where we are right it's now. It's brick. It's up the street. Wall. I know. No joke. <laughs> brick is right next to Wall. Where's the Atlanta Club? Is that a Manasquan? Yeah, that well, is right it's, down it's the road. Wall too. It's with Mat- Kevin. Manasquan. That's where I yeah. swim. That's where I do all my swim training. Oh, my you kid, do. My kids nice. swim for uh, Riptide, which is their oh, swim awesome. club. Yeah, I've seen that. I love that. I, I mean, they should like build like apartments around that place, and just like people should live there. That's it. That's yeah. why I want to move to. Okay. Not Masquan, but like, like or that. have like a whole sports facility. Yeah, know? like a little Not commune. Like a ball court Ooh. and like a shuffle. That's you know our next. I mean? That's our like next real, thing. Real. Like the Disney, like in Disney, where they have the Wild World of Sports, but it's for people that are older. Like that, exactly. and it's almost like college. So there's got to be a salad and bar. Everybody has a zamboni. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll pimp out Zambo, like customized Zambonis. It's got to be a good right? system in it too. Sitting on dubs, awesome. it plays it plays it plays hardcore rap sometimes, and then there's there's a nightclub version yeah. later as well. All right. Yeah, we're gonna have to get like Spotify to like cleanse some of the songs that are gonna be pumping out of the Zamboni. <laughs> anyway, it's hey, fine. look, I don't want to take up any more of your valuable time. Please, this was awesome. On your show, this is awesome. Uh, look forward to meeting you guys. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, yeah, let's do the book exchange without any, you know, ceremony, please. Send us off, here, Christine. Go. Got it. Awesome. All right. With that awesome. said, everyone, it is Christine Conte, and I'm Brian Prendergast, and we are two fit crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.